podcast, More Life. This is your host, Kyle Loftus. What's goody, good, good? Feeling super chipper today. Super happy. We got a great episode talking with my man, Zach Messler. Um, Zach is an OG. Okay, so Zach has been in the industry of production marketing for 20 plus years primarily working with B2B technology companies. Along the way, he learned how to write, how to present, and how to speak. He learned how to communicate, how to properly and effectively communicate. And that's really the focus of this episode. We are learning from Zach. He's an absolute master on communication, how to convey an idea, how to convey your brand, how to connect with your target audience. So, If you're an entrepreneur, a business owner, or you know someone who is, this is the episode for you to get connected and targeting the right audience. Get those ears perked up and listening, just like you should be for this episode. So without further ado, go ahead, call them in, rally the troops, turn on that Bluetooth, circle around the speaker, or if you're alone, throw in your AirPods, or your classic, you know, Ox plug-in headphones, whatever, whatever you got, plug in that that headphone jack, and let's get grooving. Let's do it. All right, we are here. We are sitting down. It is July six, and we are getting this recorded finally. All right, Zach, what is good, my man? Can you go ahead and uh, introduce yourself to our listeners, our audience here, anyone who doesn't already know who you are? Tell them. Yeah, sure thing, Kyle. Hi, I'm Zach Messler. <laughs> I am the messaging guy. I help entrepreneurs and founders know what to say and how to say it so they make a bigger impact on the world and their wallets. Oh, that's what it is. I, I love it, man. I, I like just hearing you through the phone now. One of the most exciting things when uh, you know I first got connected to you was the freaking voicemail you left me. That was pure <laughs> gold. Um, I, I, I just, I. There's something so beautiful about that. And I, I really, really mean that. Like, it's such a little small thing you did there, just adding that extra emphasis with your tonality and expression. But it makes such a big difference and has such a lasting impression. So that's really, you know, before we dive into your personal journey, that's where I want to kick things off, if you don't mind. I want to talk about that a bit more, you know, where where your understanding of that came from and, and why you emphasize that so much, you know, um, really leaving uh, a first impression, really, I guess, um, communicating uh, as best as possible. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, so grabbing attention is so important. And when you can do small little things that set you apart, you do them. And communicating with my voice, you know, leaving that voice message, leaving that voice memo, it gives you a taste of who I am. And it, it builds that personal connection. So I always do that. When I first meet someone or if I hook up with them on LinkedIn or Facebook or something, then I'm always leaving a voice memo because then you get that connection right off the bat. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. And, you know, it's uh, it reminds me, I had a, a podcast a while back with uh, my buddy Zach, and this is Z-A-C-K, uh, Zach Kravitz. But uh, one of the things we talked about that a, a buddy of his implemented was every time someone new followed him on Instagram, he would send them um, a personal response video where he's, you know, personally saying their name, thanking them for following their journey. 
asking if there's any way that they can possibly connect or he can help them along their journey. And I thought that was like a really unique and, and cool strategy. Again, it's it's such a small and subtle thing, but it can have such a big and lasting impact in regards to, you know, building a brand that people really trust and rely on and come back to time and time again. For sure. And it's the small and subtle things that make the biggest difference. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, can you talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, I, I guess actually now is probably a good time. Let's let's dive a bit into uh, your journey, you know, 20 plus years in the product marketing space, primarily with technology companies, B2B business, if I if I understand correctly. Um, what what all did you learn along that journey um, in, in regards to, you know, communication? And maybe you can talk a little about uh, some examples you have in regards to the subtle and simple things that a brand can do to to better and I guess more easily communicate what they are, what they do, and why they matter. Sure. Well, you got right to it right off the bat. Yeah. So I, I did. I spent twenty years in product marketing for B two B tech, and what that means is largely I was a translator. So I needed to to learn. I'm not technical at all. And I needed to learn deeply complex technology so well that I could train non-technical salespeople what to say, how to say it, so they could sell it. And then also attract a market of really non-technical executives, largely, to want this technology. And like I said, I'm not technical at all. And so I came up with my own method. It was for me initially to understand it, where I just answered three questions. And you hit on those questions. Those questions are, what is it? What is it? What is this thing that I'm selling? What does it do? And why does it matter? Why does it matter to my target audience? So in product marketing, your role really is, product marketing is kind of a misnomer. Your role is to connect your the value of your offering, the core values of your offering, to the core values of your audience. And if you do that successfully and do that well through messaging and positioning, through content, through sales conversations, what you say, how you say it. If you do that successfully, you end up selling more product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so in answering those questions, though, you get to the essence of your offer. You get to the essence of your product or, or even you know deep down into the feature that, that is most important at a particular time. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, so so... When I say, what is it, what does it do, and why does it matter, it's, it's, a, it's super, super simple. It's, this is so, so simple. It's not so easy. So <laughs> for example, for example yeah. let's play this right now. Let's play this right now. Let's start with, um, let's pick something. Um, how about a glass? So, so what is it? What's a glass? It's uh, something you use to drink, drink from. <laughs> Well, that's what it does. That's what it does. It holds liquid, right? Yeah. But so it's, this is what I mean. It's simple, but it's not so easy. <laughs> so if I'm, if I'm doing this exercise with a glass, so a glass, it is a cylindrical, hollow piece of glass. That's really what it is. Container, almost. Yeah. A cylindrical, hollow container made out of glass. What does it do? It holds liquid. That's it. Why does it matter? Why does a glass matter? Well, if you're out and about at a, at a restaurant, if you're 
at home on a on a Zoom call with you know your your clients. You don't want to take the whiskey bottle and just ship it back. It's kind of rude. So you have a glass. <laughs> you know, that's, but that's why it matters. That's why it matters. And why it, why it matters is, is super important, but you can't have a good understanding of why it matters unless you know what it is, what it does. And really, there's a, another question that's in there when you play with this, which is who it serves. Right, right. Yeah, and I think something interesting too that you mentioned there, you know, the whole idea of of rather than slinging the whole bottle of whiskey back, you use uh use a glass. I think that kind of it reminds me of um, you know, positioning. Can you talk a little bit about that as well, you know, positioning a product? Sure. So positioning is how you want to show up in the mind of your buyer. That's what positioning is. And so, it's not it's it's much higher level than messaging. Messaging is like on the ground, what you say and how you say it. Yeah. Positioning is 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 again. I'm going to say it again because it's super important. How you want to show up in the minds of your audience. So, for example, for me, right, my positioning. When I think, and this is all about core values. When I think about me, the way that I want to show up in the minds of my buyers, I want them to think of. Of course, messaging and positioning. I want them to think of high energy and excitement, and I want them to think fun. So it's it's really an value, value, high energy, fun. That's what I, I how I want to show up. And so anything that I do is going to have all of those things in mind. So for example, on this podcast, my goal in this podcast is to share value with the people that are listening. I know because I am high energy and I, I do have fun with pretty much everything I do that that's going to come through because I love this stuff. Yeah. But that's all positioning. That's all positioning. So if you were to go to my website and look at my website, what I want you to get out of that is the same core values. I, you know, I want you to read through that and, and say, Oh wow, this is, this is valuable information. Oh wow. This is kind of cool. I'm digging this. This is, this is exciting. This is fun. You know, I have a, a on the front page of my website. I have a pineapple with sunglasses and, and banana uh, all stars on. Chuck, you know, Converse all stars on. <laughs> and um, you know, I use a, a hashtag boom shakalaka, and boom shakalaka is the epitome of that. Yeah, <laughs> boom shakalaka is is positioning for me. Now the hashtag is the hashtag is a tactic to get that across. But boom shakalaka is the word that encompasses high energy, excitement, fun, value, celebration. That's why I use it. Yeah, I think, like, for instance, visiting your website, one of the things that I found really that you do really, really well um, is you communicate with voice. And, um, you know, I had a recent guest on, Sun Yi, who does a great job at talking about this and and communicating this on Instagram. He does a lot of cool posts and tip sharing. And, you know, oftentimes you go to people's website and it's just a big old blah. It's a paragraph about me or whatever have you. Whereas you go to your website, for instance, and how it reads, it reads with that voice, you know, like looking at your homepage, um, the be perfectly understood. What you do is amazing. 
help your audience see that too. Sign up, get practical advice. Yep, it's that easy. Like it's it's not you're not reading. You know, it's uh, there's a voice behind it. If that makes sense, it totally makes sense. I mean, that's purposeful. Um, you know, I mean it. Finding your own brand voice, and this is a whole other podcast, but finding your own brand voice is super, super important. And the way that I did it, I just, I just made my voice me. My voice is my voice. You know, what you see is what you get. I mean, it's, I I started acting this way. This is, there's, this ties back to your original question, like origin story, because I was a, I was just, you know, a corporate guy for years and you know, did what I was told and, and performed at a high level and all that stuff. I was the good corporate soldier. And it wasn't until I, I worked at a company where things got kind of toxic. I was being yelled at. I was being told to do things that I knew weren't the right thing to do. And we weren't going to get the result from using a, you know particular messaging that was expected. And... I was at a place where I was ready to quit from this job. Yeah. Totally ready to quit. And I just, I had an epiphany in the middle of the night and I wrote it down. I actually posted it on, uh, on LinkedIn. I'm big, I'm biggest on LinkedIn. Um, as far as the social channels go, but I posted it on LinkedIn and it's called the key to the universe. And the key to the universe is two things. Do the right thing. So if you have a sense of ethics, and you're really good at what you do, then you know what the right thing to do is in any particular situation, so just do it. And then the second thing is don't be afraid of the repercussion. Don't be afraid of anything or anyone. So, So if you do the right thing, and you're not afraid of what happens from doing the right thing, that is the key to the universe. And I started living that way. And so as soon as I did... First of all, my work went through the roof. It was just out of sight. And I had been, like I said, I'd been yelled at all the time. The yelling stopped. I started forging real bonds with the sales organization and salespeople. And things just took off. And yeah. really all I did was I started being me. I had, I had work me and I had, you know, regular me. And then they just became me. And... That's the key to voice. Just be yourself. It's yeah. kind of, you can't just say to someone, you can't just say, oh, here's your advice. Be yourself. It's like, come on, what the heck does that mean? But really, that's what I do. That's what I did for me. It's the voice that you read The vo- is the voice that you hear now is the voice of my brand. Yeah, yeah. Voice of a, you know, I mean, voice of, voice of a brand isn't always that simple. For me, it was. Yeah, but I mean it's it, and it's but it's so it's so so important in today's day and age. You know, I think making sure that your brand be that a, a business, you know, in and of itself an entity or a personal brand, you know, it's so important to have that voice and to be consistent and reliable someone that people can trust um and you know, again like looking at myself for instance, you know, I'm not the proper um proper curtsies and i'm not the hello hi or regards email kind of guy you know i'm more what's good how's it going cheers um again more like you know i'd consider myself more like the 
the surfer guy hanging out at the beach um, <laughs> rather than, uh, you know, this well, well-mannered and structured um, guy, uh, guy in a business suit, right? Like I've, I've got somewhat of a sailor's mouth, but again, I think, you know, in, in a sense, I leverage that to my advantage in that I'm very honest and transparent with, you know, who I am. And I think, you know, that's allowed me to more easily and make better connections with, you know, my target audience and the businesses I want to work with because they understand right from the get go, you know, who I truly am, what I value, what I represent and what I can offer, Um, you know, and them being able to understand that right from the get go, I think, you know, saves a lot of time in regards to ciphering out clients that I don't want to work with that don't resonate with me that might not have the budget, all that kinds of stuff. Can you can you speak on that in your own personal experience, Zach? Yeah, so that's, frankly, that's one of the biggest mistakes that I see entrepreneurs make is they, they try to be all things to all people. Yeah. You know, and, and, or they decide on a brand voice based on themselves and not necessarily based on their audience. Right. If I were right. going after the corporate world, my voice probably wouldn't stand out so much. Well, it would stand out. I just don't know that it would stand out for the reasons that I want it to stand out. Sure, sure. You know, but if you're, you know, if you're playing, for example, let's say that I am uh, an advisor for financial services firms. If if I start all my, e- I start all my emails with yo, <laughs> yo, Kyle. <laughs> like, every email, you know, if I do that in financial services, well, who the heck is this? You know, no, I, it doesn't fit. And that's not going to, that's going to repel the audience. Not yeah, yeah, totally. So it's, your voice definitely has to appeal to your audience. 100%. Now, I happen, I happen to have an audience that, that digs my, digs my voice, digs my vibe. That's purposeful too. I chose who I want to serve. I chose the people I want to work with based on how I want to be. Yeah. And, you know, how does, how does that translate to, um, you know, a business in and of itself, an entity rather than, um, you know, a person, I think, you know, personal brands, they're a lot easier to resonate with and connect with what, what struggles do you see when, when helping business entities in and of themselves connect and what advice or what techniques have you implemented or have seen the most success with in regards to helping these brands better resonate with their audiences and and communicate, you know, what they're trying to say? Sure. So the first and foremost, it's about your audience. It's not about you. Nobody, you said you had sailor mouth. I kind of do too. No one gives a shit about your product. No one cares. No one cares how great you are. Nobody, nobody cares until they do. And so for businesses, you know, when you're, when you're marketing a business and not a personal brand, it's really becoming fluent in the words of your audience first. It's becoming your audience. It's understanding what gets them out of bed. What are they worried about? What are they, what do they care so deeply about? Where are they today? Where do they want to go? You have to know all of these things. If you know all of these things, then you can create messaging that will attract that type of buyer because, and it has to be from the buyer perspective. Everything has to be from the buyer perspective. There comes a point when somebody buys anything 
this is especially true in B2B. It's kind of obvious in B2C. But there comes a point where that buyer is going to want to know all about you. But that doesn't happen at the beginning. And so these early stage messages where you see, you know, you go to a website, I'm going to take a, take a step back. I always know I can help a company by just looking at their website for that front page of their website at the top, very top level message. If that top level message is what it is or what it does, then I can help them because they're not audience centric. They're, they are marketing from an, a inside out perspective from me to you, as opposed to an outside in from you looking into me. The audience perspective is the most important thing. Yeah. And, you know, I want to take this a bit further, too, and talk about the differences between um, voice and copy. You know, how how do you translate voice with words, with just words? How do you how do you really convey, um, you know, what you represent as a brand, what you value, um, what you're trying to do or how you can really help the audience, how do you convey that through copy, but, but still have that, that voice, you know, that, that resonates. Sure. So there, first of all, there's the kind of deeper strategic way to do this. And then there's the super tactical way to do this and the super tactical, I'm going to start with the super tactical, easy way to do this, uh, which is literally how to do it. Record yourself. You want to write something? Don't write it. Record it. Transcribe it. There, it's literally in your voice. Now, that's not what brand voice means. Right, right. That's uh, probably about 75% of the blog posts that I do, I speak. Then you get a transcription app and you transcribe it and you edit. You're done. Um, And that's how you get, that's how you learn how to write conversationally. With, with a sense of a real voice. Right, now, right. brand voice is a little different. Brand voice is a little different. That's much more strategic. And this is getting into brand marketing. So it's, it's going back to the positioning. It's what are the core values? How do I want to show up in the minds of my audience? How am I going to put something together, these words together in a way that's going to represent these things? You know, and then it's understanding my audience. Is my audience formal? Are they informal? Are they cursing like sailors? Are they, (laughs) how do I want to, how do I want to show up? My brand voice, forgetting the copy for a second, my brand voice is incredibly informal. And so my copy is incredibly conversational. But I have some tech clients that they're, they're not, they want to be conversational, but they don't want to be informal. Right. And so there's a, there's a, a fine line there, but it's, it's to get to that voice is those two things. It's, it's doing the brand work to understand how the positioning works, how you, how you want to show up in the minds of your audience. And then the copy route, which is, okay, what do we want to sound like? How do we want people to feel when they read this and then writing to them? Yeah. And you know, is there, is there a need? to run ads like 
to develop this, to discover, to test it? Or do you think it's more of, you know, going with, and I guess this is more from a personal brand perspective, more of going with uh, kind of your intuition, like just trusting like who, who is your authentic self or, you know, is it again, do you have to be more client focused and, you know, kind of put out some just general ads, run some, run some ads, get some research and I guess more so focus your voice around them. Like where, where are your thoughts with that? I think it, well, it can be a little of both for sure. I, I've done a handful of ads, just a handful, but instead of running the ads, I play on social and it's engaging and interacting, you know, seeing what works, engaging and interacting with people, how you write, how you write for you. Let's say you're a solopreneur. Okay. How you write for you and, and your brand might could be two totally different things and that's fine. And that's fine especially when you think of social media because social media social media isn't a brand play anymore i don't think it's a brand play at least it's a it's an individual play it's a personal brand play yeah and so that makes it easy for someone like or easier i should say for someone like me where i mean my company is zachmessler.com <laughs> what i sell is is access to me so it's, it's a little easier for a company though, that, that doesn't have for a company that is not a personal brand, that is a brand, then it's, it's a little tougher for sure. It's a little tougher because people want to interact with people. They don't want to interact with company. Yeah, totally. And where do you see, where do you see the future with that? You know, do you see personal brands, um, continuing on the rise? Do you see personal brands taking over entirely? Is there a future for businesses and just brands in and of themselves? Or do you think um, the uh, personal brands are going to kind of, you know, take over the marketplace? No, I think brands will always be there. I mean, you look at, it just depends on the platform too. You know, a brand Twitter, for example, and Twitter is home for brands. Let me tell you, even Instagram to a certain extent. Uh, So I don't think, I don't think the brand platform idea is going to go away. But behind that brand is a personality. So like the most successful brands on social media are the ones that have a personality. Yeah. You know, and, and, and you know, I, I think of, I think of Wendy's on, on oh, Twitter. Oh, like so Wendy's. funny. Yeah, they're, they're awesome. They're awesome. And they're awesome because they're consistent and you know what you're getting from them. You expect it to be funny. You, but they are the company in on that platform, the company is interacting like a person. Yeah. And I think that's what you'll see more of, at least from the successful brands that are successful with social media. Yeah. How, you know, and to the people that are listening that, that, you know, may not always be wanting to allocate their time or the money resources, what have you to doing things like that, to making sure that your brand does have a voice that's really in real time, interacting and engaging with, with your audience, what would you say to them that to those people listening right now? Take 15 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day. Anyone who doesn't have 15 minutes a day to focus on their, their personal brand is crazy. First, they're crazy if they don't do it. And two, 
they're lying if they say they don't have 15 minutes. Because <laughs> yep. really, that's that's all that it takes. Yeah. It, you don't have to. One of the things that I see all the time is people think they have to boil the ocean all at once. Just 15 minutes a day. Compound interest, baby. It adds up and adds up. I built my entire LinkedIn presence on 15 minutes a day. Now it's been a you know a few years, but it's 15 minutes a day. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more uh, about that? I mean, we don't want to dive too deep into just a bunch of strategy things, but for example, you know, what, what do you recommend? How do you maximize on those, on those 15 minutes? Is it making a single post and then just going out and engaging with a bunch of different content other people put out? Is it just trying to grow your network? What, what have you found a lot of success with in your career in regards to dedicating those, those 15 minutes a day? So first and foremost, have a plan, have a plan and don't just go into it and say, okay, I'm going to spend my 15 minutes on pick your platform, you know, fill in your platform here, have a plan for what you're going to do. So for example, and I'll use LinkedIn because like I said, that's what I'm most familiar with. That's where I am. Bread and butter. So when I, um, when I really started writing on LinkedIn and, and getting stuff ready for LinkedIn, I was still in the corporate world. It's probably off five years ago and I I knew I needed to up level my profile and I knew I wanted to start writing on LinkedIn and posting it was a little different than it is now wasn't quite as as noisy but every day I'd go in and say okay I'm going to spend this week every day I'm going to spend 15 minutes focused on my profile and that's what I did and so I I went in and I was only focused on my profile and then maybe the next week I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to write 15 minutes a day. I'm going to write something over this week. I'm going to write an article. So I did. Um, once I had, and, and then this is what I mean by the compound interest. So now I have a profile. Now I have an article or two or three. Now, okay. Now I'm going to start posting. Now I'm going to start engaging. Now I'm going to start whatever. Finding, you know, finding people that I want to connect with and engaging on their posts. It's 15 minutes a day. That's it. 15 minutes. Just be focused with it. Have a plan. And over time, you end up building so much stuff and so much goodwill, especially if you're sharing value there. Just build up so much great stuff. Yeah. It doesn't have to take long. And if you want to take longer, take longer. But really, you don't need more than 15 minutes a day. Love that. And so, you know, I'm curious here, Zach. Do you find that, or I guess for anyone listening here, you know, if you're using this methodology, right, and given, you know, give yourself a couple months, let's say six months, eight months, you haven't gained any traction. Do you think you should start running ads? Like, I know you mentioned you don't really run, it seems you don't run ads at all. So does that perhaps, do you find that that means that you're not hitting with your, with your audience? That means that something isn't resonating. So you need to reanalyze what you're doing from a branding perspective, or do you feel maybe it's the actual product you're providing isn't quite there? Like what, what does well, it shouldn't be? It shouldn't be the product. It shouldn't be the product because so on LinkedIn, it should, well, let me re- rewind. It shouldn't be the product at all because social media is a top funnel thing. It's an awareness play. You know, you think, this is where we get into some product marketing 
uh, strategy, you look at the buyer journey. So the buyer journey is really a core element in product marketing of mapping how your buyers buy. Absolutely. What are the steps they take to go from unaware they have a problem that you can address to, yes, sign me up. And then even beyond that into the customer life cycle. So social media, by and large, is early, early awareness type work. You know, you break the buyer journey down. You can break it down, if you're looking at it at the highest level, into really two things. Why change and why us? So social media is a why change. If you're constantly promoting yourself on social media by chest beating and talking about your your offering or your features, tech companies do this all the time. Oh, <laughs> check out our latest feature in release 6.2. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. As opposed to that company that focuses in on the challenge that they solve, they get to know their audience a little better. And then the post is more about, hey, I know you maybe perhaps you're experiencing filling the challenge here. Well, here's three quick tips so that you don't have to experience that and instead can blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Where blah, blah, blah is the bliss that they could, you know, it's setting up that contrast between where they are and where they could be. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's the first rule. I call it the first rule of product marketing. You don't talk about your product. The first rule of product marketing is you don't talk about your product. You do, but you talk about it in words that, that only loosely relate back, not necessarily about the product itself. Yeah. Yeah. How important is it to, to make sure, sorry to interrupt there. How important is it to make sure that your messaging is, is emotionally resonating? Oh, it's super important. People buy on emotion. They validate with logic. They buy on emotion. Anyone who says that people buy on, on logic and fact is absolutely wrong. (laughs) (laughs) That's a fact. It's true. Like pros and cons. What, What happens, and this has been proven, um, what happens is you get an emotional connection. This is just basic brain science, and I am by no means an expert in neuroscience, but I know enough to be dangerous. So you <laughs> I love that. <laughs> when you start out with a message, you want early stage messaging. You want it to grab people by the emotions in a positive way, because it's that you're you're triggering that fight or flight mentality, right? You're triggering the friend or foe mentality. It's, is this a friendly or is this something I have to be worried? You want you, your brand, your solution, your whatever to be a friendly. You want the problem that they're facing, the challenge that you help address to be the foe. Essentially what you want to do is you want to make working with you feel safer than not working with you. Oh, yeah. I like that. I like that frame right there. That's a good framework. <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's just basic brain science. It's how we're all wired. You have an impression of someone or something from the second you see it. And it's not, there's no, there's no capacity for language. When you make that decision, there's no capacity for language. And it's just gut feel. That's the gut feel. And after you make that decision, then you use logic, the pros and cons list, 
the feature list, the how is this going to help me measurement, KPIs, whatever. You're using that information to basically validate your decision. Yeah, yeah. But you, you make the decision based on emotion, 10 times out of 10. That's why when you go to a car dealer, what they want you to do is they want you to drive the car. Ooh, this is fun. Oh, this feels good. Oh, it smells so great. Yeah, yeah. It's uh it's that experience, you know, it's creating that that experience for the client. Um That's exactly right. That's exactly right. People buy on feeling. Yeah. I said this I I just said this to a client the other day. Um it's important to market the feeling that your audience gets when they work with you, work with your product, or even better, see the results, get the results of working with you. Yeah. How does your audience feel? What's the contrast look like between, or what's the contrast feeling like between where they are before working with you and where they could be after working with you? So what is that feeling? Is it confidence? Is it comfort? Is it, what is it? That's that feeling. It's uncovering what that feeling is and then marketing that feeling. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's, that's, uh, oh, it's, it's like you said, man, it's so simple when you say it, but then actually implementing it and conducting the strategy is, oh, that's a lot easier said than done. That, that, uh, that takes some time and effort. What have you found? I don't know. know. I don't know if it needs to take that much time and effort. I think, look, I mean, my big thing with product marketing, with messaging and positioning is simplicity. Yeah. And and simple, you're right in saying simple is not always easy. But I also believe we are wired to think everything, everything good has to be complex. And that's just not true. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that is definitely a truth. I, I can personally speak for that, especially being, you know, being a filmmaker, being in the service-based business, oftentimes, you know, that's something we, we spend, I'll spend sometimes, you know, four hours just trying to decide what font to use for this music video rather than just picking a font and sending it to them. And they might love it from the get go, but you know, I spend the four hours doing it anyways, cause I just want it to be perfect for them. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I get that. But you're right. You could. You could just pick out a font and send it. And, you know, I guess carrying over that idea of, of, you know, simplicity. So say, let's just uh, example here. You know, I'm trying to start a brand from the ground up and I want to make a clothing brand. And I want people to resonate and connect with this. But again, obviously, you know, I'm a new brand just getting started. I don't have um, I guess a story or a journey at this moment that people can see and experience. So how do I draw attention, um, to people, um, to my brand from people, I guess, if you will, um, from the get go there, you know, what, 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 what would you recommend Zach? You know, if you were working from a brand new brand starting out, the, the very first thing I do, very first thing I do, and I do this as best as I possibly could is I've become my audience. Who do I want to serve? I, I cannot market myself effectively until I understand who I want to serve as deeply as they do. That's why I say become your audience. Yeah. Instead of, you know, most people say, oh, I, you know, I, I, 
and know my audience or, or get to know your audience. It's beyond just getting to know your audience. It's interacting with your audience. It's engaging. It's walking around in those shoes. It's understanding them at such a deep level that you become one of your audience. When you're marketing to your audience and you become them, you know what's going to resonate. You know how they speak. You know the nuances of their language. Right. People connect People connect with that stuff. That's, that's you know, you, by communicating in the way that your audience also communicate, you are essentially building trust instantaneously. Yeah. So that's what I do. I would, I would become my audience. And as long, for as long as it took, if it was, you know, it's not going to take a week, but it was going to take me a month break. It's going to take me a quarter break, but I'm going to become my audience. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, no, I, 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 I totally resonate with that. I think, you know, for me, that directly translates to, you know, sometimes I'll have, um, you know, different, uh, different level of filmmakers or videographers contacting me, asking me, you know, for advice or help in getting clients. And sometimes, or oftentimes the first question I ask is, you know, like what clients are you trying to attract? Um, cause you know, obviously, you know, again, it's kind of like you mentioned being your audience, there's a very, there's a big difference between if you're trying to get, um, local hip hop artists for music videos as to if you're trying to get, CEOs of various um, hospitality-based businesses in you know the the tourism industry. Like there's, they're they're living on two entirely different uh, platforms to start, and then you know as you mentioned, they're they're entirely different audience bases. So it's it's understanding that stuff from the get go. You know, knowing where where they live, um, what they're doing, how they act, all that kind of stuff. So before to go from nothing to a point where you're ready to execute and gain visibility for what you say and how you say it, it, there are five core steps. And it goes like this. It's first is audience. So let's become your audience. Know them inside, outside, upside down. Know what makes them tick. Become your audience. Second is position. So that is defining how do I want to show up in that on my audience's mind. So we talked about that a little. After that is offer. So what what do you sell? What is it? What does it do? Why does it matter to your target audience? The fourth part is the message, messaging. And that is coming up with the words that are going to move your audience, the words that connect the core value of your audience, the core values, the things they care about, the challenges that they're up against with the true value, the core values of your offering. That's, that's creating the message. And then finally, it's that visibility, it's execution. It's applying that to ads, to social media, to video, to all of these different media to get that word out and distribute it. And that's, that's then creating the posts, that's creating the videos, that's, that's writing the, the if, depending on your industry, writing the data sheets and white papers and brochures and that sort of thing. But without doing those four steps before that, audience, position, offering, message, then without that, it's just going to fall flat. It's not going to be consistent. It's not going to map back back to the cares of your audience. And if it's not mapping back to what your audience cares about deeply, and it's not in their words, 
or at least in words that they relate to, then it's not going to be as successful as it could be. Yeah. And where do you find Zach with the clients you're working with? At at which stage in those five pillars um, do you find that they fail or are struggling at the most and why? It's a combination of audience because people don't do, don't want to do the work uh, because it is work. I mean, the, the dirty, it's funny, as you used to say, in the, the dirty secret in, in tech marketing is everybody talks about buyer personas, but nobody actually does the work. And it's true. <laughs> um, so people, people don't do the work. I mean, the same thing that I said about social media before and LinkedIn is I'd say about audience research, 15 minutes a day. Just over time, if you, if you collect the right information, I mean, over time, you'll have a, tre- a treasure trove and frankly, I mean, I, I, just because I play sometimes in tech, there, there's some tech that is on the horizon. I mean, it's pretty much here where it's open to brands right now, not so much to individual entrepreneurs, but where you can, through AI and machine learning connected to social networks, you can learn about audiences and capture those words very, very quickly. So anyway, so one is audience. Um, position people I don't typically find have trouble with position defining core values and what you want to stand for isn't that tough I find for my client offering offering is something where almost everyone that I encounter can improve what do you sell what is it that you're selling what is it what does it do why does it matter why do I care why does it matter to your target audience um, there is those questions are incredibly simple and answering them the right way is hard. You have to be, you have to be super concise for the first two. And that third one is truly taking that audience perspective. And if you don't have that audience perspective, it's almost impossible to get it right. Yeah. And, you know, I'd love to kind of put as we're tail end here of the, of the podcast, I want to put more of a focus on, on what you specifically do, you know, so Zach, talk, talk us a little bit more through of your process, um, client on boards with you. How does that relationship first begin? What are like the first things you're doing? Um, and you know, what do you think you do that might be a bit different or really differentiates yourself from, you know, other people that might be helping, I guess, further develop a brand and their messaging strategy and overall marketing, if you will. Sure. So the way that pretty much all of my clients start is with, I, I call it a finding clarity session. And we answer, we answer those three questions together. We go through the offer piece. What is it? What does it do? And why does it matter? Um, and that is, it's a, you know, it's an hour, hour and a half session. And we, we get that down. Um, from there, it really depends on the client. Um, sometimes it's walking through that, I call it the buyer attraction formula, that, that starting with audience, position, message, offering, and visibility. So sometimes we'll walk through that if, if they're at a place where they really need that help, just getting to know their audience a little better or up-leveling that positioning. Um, the offer piece, obviously, the clarity call we've done, working on messaging. If they are a little further along, and typically, typically for for early stage entrepreneurs, we'll work through the buyer attraction form. 
gotcha. If they're right, a little right. further further along, then uh, I have an advisory service called the Sounding Board, and that's what the the clarity sessions lead into. Sounding Board. Sounding Board is access to me, and so the beauty of Sounding Board is it can be as structured as you need it to be. So if you need structure with messaging and positioning, walk through the buyer attraction formula and, and work on it together and apply it to your company and your offering and your execution. Um, if not, uh, then it's product marketing advisory. So, hey, Zach, our sales pages aren't converting the way that we think that they should. Can we look at them? Sure. And then we dive in on the session and we look at the sales pages and in real time we fix them so that they'll convert better or maybe it's hey i have a a a small sales team and we really want to understand more about how to connect with our buyer okay great so we'll do a session a sales training session on buyer journey and explain the needs of buyers at each of these stages and what needs to be in place and how to interact with them so it, it, and it's anything in between. So the way the sounding board works is it's two sessions a month, two Zoom sessions, anywhere between an hour, hour and a half. And then it's unlimited access uh, to me. You ask the question, you get an answer within 24 hours. And then there's another, another piece of it where if you want me taking a look at some of your materials or your ads or your social posts, then I can review those and make suggestions also. And, you know, Zach, why do you think, and, and I want this to be, um, I mean, this is just my personal opinion. I guess I'm asking you to, to back up. <laughs> so I guess we'll see if you feel the same, but, um, why do you think you are so much better off and, and a better option for someone? Why is it having, um, that personal one-on-one relationship so much better than going through, um, an agency or a marketing firm or something like that? Like, why is that? That one-on-one interaction oh, sure. is so important. Oh, sure. So I'm not a marketing agency or a marketing firm. I mean, a marketing agency and a marketing firm, and I've, I've hired them before, and they serve an amazing purpose, but it's a different purpose than what I serve. What, what they are doing is they're creating content for you. Um, you're giving them information, and they're spitting out content. They're spitting out ad creative. They're spitting out uh, blog posts or, or whatever. Um, and then they're done or they're nickel and diming you. (laughs) Oh, we need this revision or that revision. And then, and then it's every time you want it, they haven't done something right. Every time you want to change something, it costs you money. That happens a lot too. Yep. So the difference, the difference is that this is sounding board. Sounding board is to up level you up level your people and up level your brand. That's the difference. And the one-on-one access is it's access to to 20 years of product marketing experience. I mean, it's, there's no agency in the world that has that, that has that, that knowledge level of product marketing, which is, it's, it's pretty broad. It's not branding. It's not copywriting. It's not, digital. It's all of these things. And, you know, building off of that, where do you see the future with service-based businesses? Like, do you see, um, and this kind of goes back to the question I had earlier in regards to personal brands and brands, but 
Do you see this as like a, a, a rise of personal branding and personal brands kind of taking over in a sense, the service space? Like, what are your thoughts on that? For me, I feel like to an extent, obviously big, big projects or productions with like Nike or big companies like that, you know, probably require quite a, quite a bit more people and hands on deck um, than an individual. But I think there's a lot, a lot of marketing campaigns and general things that are going to be, you know, scrapped down, budgets cut and sent off to smaller, uh, not agencies, but smaller um, production houses or individuals, I guess. And again, I'm looking at this from my, my own perspective, looking at music videos and commercials, you know, the budgets for those continue to drop and it seems they're continuing to be allocated um, out to people like myself rather than um, music video has to be a hundred thousand dollar budget with this huge production company, 50 people on set, all these different things. Like where, where do you see the future of, of the service industry and, and, you know, services, I guess, similar to yours? Sure. So I do think personal brands is really important for all service, for especially smaller companies, small and medium sized businesses. If you're, if you're selling a service, uh, and you're not, actively building a personal brand, I think you're costing yourself because as we talked about before, people don't interact with many brands. At least, at least they don't interact with brands they don't know already Yeah. on social media. They, they just don't. And they do interact with people and you can stand for your, you, you, Kyle can stand for your brand in, in that, let's say you go out, pick your social channel. It doesn't matter, but you go out there and you're sharing value and you're not telling anybody you're great. You're showing everybody how great you are and you're consistently showing up and you're consistently giving people value. You're giving them information that they can use immediately. You're sharing tips and tricks. You're showing them how to get over these challenges that they have, even if it's, so you're, so you're a video dude, even if it's about how to take better video. I, I was talking to my brother about this. My brother's a photographer and he does headshots. He does weddings and events. Um, and he does some corporate stuff too. And said to him, dude, put a video series together and teach people how to take better headshots with their iPhone. And he was like, well, then nobody's going to want to hire me for headshot. I said, no, they will. They will because they're not going to be able to get the headshot the way that you're going to be able to get them a headshot. And <laughs> even, if they, even if they don't buy, maybe it's too expensive for them. Maybe they're not at that point in their, in their career or their business that they're willing to invest that type of money. If you're helping them and sharing them, then down the line when they are ready, who do you yes. think going to Thank you. About? Thank you. So glad you said so that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's delivering that value. And then your name is attached to your brand. And that way too, it's, you're setting yourself up right now. Again, I chose my brand to be my name. That was a purposeful choice. But that doesn't mean that I'm doing anything different as if, you know, I, I had a different name for my business. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, the biggest thing, 
I try to emphasize to people sometimes, you know, is um, be a problem solver. So if someone comes to you with an issue or they want, again, looking at myself for an example, oftentimes I'll get people coming to me to do a video project and they might not have the budget, but if I can help them solve that issue, whether that's, as you mentioned, you know, providing some insight or advice on how to film it themselves, or oftentimes what I'll do is I'll connect them um, with someone who can do some great video work, but might not necessarily have the cameras, the lighting and the skills and experience that I do. And so they get a great product from them um, at this smaller budget. Um, Obviously, make sure I stay in communication. They're happy with the referral, all that stuff. Well, who are they going to come to when they do have the bigger budget? 90% 90% of the time it's coming back to me. So yeah, I just wanted to, just wanted to reiterate that. I, I resonate with that and a lot. Sometimes too. And sometimes too. So I had a client. So occasionally, and I don't advertise this, but occasionally I do content creation work. I started out when I left corporate and I did content creation and that was my thing. And I burned out. I mean, I had to all of a sudden, instead of one boss, I had 20 and I had to scale it and become an agency or not, and I decided on not. And so I still do a little content creation now and again. And I um, I was talking with uh, this one, actually they're a client now, but with this one, one client, uh, a prospect at the time, and they wanted help doing uh, web copy. And, you know, found out their budget, and their budget was gosh, like a tenth of what I would charge. And so I said to them, so listen, if um, I, I understand you, you're, I understand that, that I'm coming in a lot higher than your other, because he had a, another couple um, proposals. Gotcha, yeah. I said, I know I'm coming in. I said, I know I'm coming in higher. Uh, and I said to him, if you're, if you're going to hire one of the other two, look at their portfolios and whoever's more focused on the audience, hire them. Here's a blog post I wrote about it. If you have any questions about it or if I can be of service to you in choosing the right the right fit, hit me back. And he came back Ooh. and he said, I want to hire you. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he did. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you you showed your genuine care, support, and you helped solve the problem. <laughs> That's well, perfect. It's not, you know? Exactly, and it's, I think I think people get caught up sometimes in the dollars and cents of it all, and it's not always about the dollars and the cents. And and it's you know, I see this a lot with early stage entrepreneurs. You know, you you want the you want the job so badly because it's it's going to make you a little bit of money. It's going to get you on the map. It's going to you know make you you get you going where where okay I'll take a little less now and then down the road I'll be able to raise my prices on them. It never works that way. It never works that way. And so you want to be in a position where you can say no to things. And if the dollars don't line up, it's okay to say no. And then and then as you said. And then help and then serve. I see what he's trying to do. You know, I want him to think of me as someone who can help him in the future. Now in the future, maybe the way to help him is to give him criteria for how to pick a web copywriter. Yeah. (laughs) So that's what I did. 
I yeah. could have said, I could have said, no way, man. Sorry, this is way too low. You know, I come in at, at 10x this. I could have said that, but what would have that done? That would have turned them off incredibly, and that would have been the end. And instead, now, I, now I did negotiate my rate for him, but I negotiated the rate on the first project with the understanding that the next project would not be at this low intro rate that I wanted to work with him, and here's why. And I explained the path of where I wanted to go with him to get where we could go together yeah. and what that could mean for his business and how things would look. And that's why he's a client today. Yeah. Clearly a fine journey. Uh, I like that. I, I would definitely want to hear that. <laughs> so uh, yeah. as, as we're wrapping up here, Zach, um, I want to ask, uh, you know, how do you personally define success? Oh, that's a good one, man. How do I personally define success? Feeling good, <laughs> doing good work, doing good work, feeling good, and just being able to enjoy life. That's it. Love it. Pretty easy. Pretty right on, easy. man. It's uh, yeah, no, it's always it's a fun one for me to ask. You know, obviously, I think we all have a, a different definition. It always varies, so it's uh. So I'm always just curious to to know. Um, I'm also curious. Um, you know, you you you're on this entrepreneur journey as well. You're living it up. What is something that you failed at, um, and you've learned from? Um, you know, what what is the one of the bigger things that you failed at and learned from that? You know, perhaps you would have done differently now looking back, or maybe you might be able to just save our listeners here uh, uh, an achy head and, and a few hundred dollars or something like that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah, so a couple things. First off, for anyone who has left the corporate world after a long time and jumped right into this entrepreneur thing, which is super fun, I I spent a lot of time or wasted a lot of time kind of in my own corporate mindset where, okay, uh, you know, nine to five, I have to do this, I have to do that, I have to do the other thing. Um, and I, um, that that worked me up for a long time because I, I had a, at the end of my corporate experience, it wasn't such a great experience towards the very end. And so I got tripped up and I got my mind kind of messed up over that. So number one, this is kind of a weird way to get here, but number one is focus on mindset. So, so make sure that you take the time to be completely focused on where you want to go and how you're going to get there. Right. Um, that's, that's, that's one. Um, two, I spent a shit ton of money on courses. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and it's just, this is going to be different for different people. But I learned that for me, the automated course just isn't the right thing. So I just don't buy them anymore. But I spent a few thousand dollars on automated courses that I thought could help me and speed my path to, to success. Right, right. And as I would start them gung-ho, and then I'd, I'd either get, get sidetracked by something or the way that the course was taught just didn't resonate with me. Sure, sure. And so, and so I wouldn't finish it. So now if, if I'm doing a course, I'm only doing a live course. Gotcha. Uh, but I don't, do much, I don't do much of those anymore either. And those are the big things, yeah? Yeah. 
Cool. Um, um, awesome. Yeah. So we've got a couple more questions, Zach. Just want to make sure you got the time for it. We're not, not rushing you on anything. No, sure. I'm good. Awesome. So, you know, being an entrepreneur, um, again, this is, uh, everyone varies. Just, uh, curious, what is a day in the life like for you? You know, I know you mentioned, um, not necessarily forcing yourself into, I guess, any nine to five structure. So, do you have any kind of routine, be that like a morning routine, um, a daily time you set aside just to do um, your own kind of personal brand building or copywriting? Like what is what does a typical day sure. in the life look like for you? Sure. So I get up when I get up in the morning. First thing I do is I make coffee. I go outside if it's nice. Otherwise, I'm sitting at the kitchen table and I'm writing. Um, sometimes I'll read and then write, but I take a good hour. And, and I do that to focus my brain. Um, I'll spend that in the morning also. I'll spend usually about 30 minutes on social media. I know it's been, I said it takes 15, and that is all it takes. I choose to spend 30 on uh, LinkedIn, on social media. Depending on the day, I've structured my days. So Mondays and Fridays, typically I leave wide open, mostly for stuff like this, like jumping on a podcast or things that come up. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are client days. So it's sounding board sessions on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I do um, those messaging clarity calls on uh, Wednesdays. And then anything else during those days is a focus towards my grand vision. So I, you know, I wrote out probably about a year ago, I wrote out my vision of, of how I want to serve, what I want to do, um, what I want to, to my life to look like. And then I'm just putting everything in place, going down that path. So that's pretty much it. I leave the structure piece of it is I leave blocks of time. It's not so much, it's not so much a, a structure. Oh, it's 10 AM. I have to do this, but it's, I have blocks of time where I know, okay, in the next couple hours, I can choose. I'm either going to work on social. I'm going to start, you know, right now, one of my projects is I'm redoing my website. So I'm, I'm going to work on the website. I'm going to create some new content. I'm going to, you know, I hired a company to help me do some, uh, to automate some more content creation stuff. So I don't have to do everything where we're taking podcasts and chopping them up and taking articles I've written and chopping them up into these micro pieces of content. So maybe it's, it's spending some time with them and, and talking through and walking through things. But yeah, that's it, it, not super structured, but that's what it looks like. That's awesome, man. No, there's uh, I like that. You know, there's some solid structure in regards to, you know, what you need to where you're working and like what you're working on but you know it's open-ended in that the specific task in hand can always kind of change um but uh yeah i mean i'm always i'm always just curious to to find out what people's different routines are if if they have any and uh just what they do you know i think it's always for me you know i grew up um and granted i'm very thankful for this um my parents always really instilled in me the the hustle that, that hustle mindset and culture, you know, like just grind your way to success. It's, it's through sweat equity that you'll see it and find it. And, you know, I do believe that to be true, but I've also found through my, my journey and through doing a lot of self-development the past, you know, three to four years that, um, working from nine in the morning till 9 PM at night doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be successful. 
Um, oftentimes, what's more important is that you're working hard um, on the task and the important things at hand that really are going to move your business forward. And, you know, I learned a lot of that through um, some different books I've been reading. Um, and so I'm curious, you know, for you, you know, how do you find that right balance of, you know, working hard, making sure you're putting in a solid amount of time to see success, but also not burning yourself out? Like, how do you find that balance? How do you make sure you're not being too hard on yourself for taking, you know, two or three days off or just deciding to, to not do your emails for a day? Like, how do, how do you work out that mindset and, and make sure, you know, you stay confident, you stay focused and driven, but obviously you make sure you give yourself plenty of time for family, friends, and, and just live in life. Sure. So one, it's coming back to that vision of what I want, what do I want to achieve? How do I want to show up in the world? And then it's identifying, it's going backwards and it's identifying the things that need to happen. Right. So there are three things that, that I say, okay, every week, okay, I want to do three things. Here are the three things that I'm going to do this week. I uh, I got in this practice early on. It's a, uh, a different group I joined, but I got in this practice where you you share your wins of the week. It's you share your three wins of the week, and you share what your three wins of the of next week are going to be. And so, it's with that practice you keep what you're fo- focused on. What will quote unquote win the week top of mind. And if I achieve these three things, well, that's great. That's awesome. And, and that also then lessens the burden of time. Because if I can achieve those three things in five minutes, well, hallelujah. That's even better. Yeah. If it takes me all week, then it takes me all week. But if I achieve those three things, then I win the week. Well, that's pushing me to achieve those three things as, as early in the week as I can. Um, I thought of another. I thought of another thing that I do pretty regularly. So <laughs> Let's do it. Every every Friday, every Friday at four o'clock, I I'm a whiskey fan. I I, I like <laughs> rare and otherwise delicious bourbons. And every Friday at four, I toast my clients, either my new clients or my current clients. I give a toast and I I sip some whiskey out on the deck. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. Are you? Uh... Well, it's it, it's gratitude. It's gratitude. I, I'll say this to my clients too. I I take so much pride in the trust that my clients give to me. They trust me with their businesses, and I don't take that life lightly. And so I celebrate it. I celebrate my clients because I'm doing what I love to do. I love messaging and positioning. It's so fun. Uh, and it's being able to do it is a gift. And so why wouldn't I celebrate my clients? Why wouldn't I celebrate the opportunity to help people up level their businesses like that? No, I, I love it, man. So I have to know though, what, what is, uh, what's your whiskey of choice? Are you, uh, are you a fan of makers, Mark? Makers is okay. Uh, makers is okay. And I, um, my, my, daily god this sounds really horrible but my my more regular drink for these days is uh eagle rare i'll oh, go okay, okay. Eagle rare uh, and elijah craig small batch uh, i have a an affinity though for really old oaky bourbons um they're they're a little more rare stuff like there's a line that diageo did called orphan barrel so or- orphan barrel has a bunch of different brands like 
Barger House, which is a 20-year aged bourbon. Uh, they had a line called Rhetoric, where they bottled these these bourbons from uh, 20 year through 25 year aged bourbons. Uh, and so I, you know, occasionally I'll open a Rhetoric. Uh, I had a, a 22 last Friday, Rhetoric 22 last mm. Friday. And the older the whiskey is, I mean, the, oh, first of all, the oakier typically it is, the richer. And you, you know, you you read sometimes you read in about bourbons, they oh, it's notes of vanilla or notes of caramel or toasted almonds or you know, something like that. Yeah, and you're like, what? I don't taste that. Yeah, <laughs> but with some of these older whiskeys, with these with these big age statements, man, you taste that. That vanilla is like hard on the palate. It's so good. Yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah, I, uh... and when I say delicious, I mean it. Like there are <laughs> bourbons that are delicious, and if you're only drinking the, the not the, not to put any of this down, but if you're only drinking Eagle Rare, if you're only drinking Maker's Mark or 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 Knob Creek or or those those whiskeys, you're not necessarily tasting all of what whiskey could be. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I. Uh... Me and my family, we were just out in uh, Europe uh, this past summer and uh, did some good uh, did some good whiskey tasting in Ireland and uh, some some nice. Scottish whiskey tasting in uh, Scotland. So that was that was fantastic. It's really really cool to nice. see the the difference in the color, um, the aroma, the taste, the kick it has to it. Just from like the different aging processes, you know, from where they were aged at in different locations. The, the impact different water has on it, all that kind of stuff. It's super, super oh, it's interesting. Amazing. It's amazing. And even like the lowlands versus the highlands. I mean, it's just, yeah, yeah it's wild. It's, it's wild stuff. It's so it's really cool. cool. <laughs> um, but hopefully, so, so, so unfortunately, we could have a whole nother podcast on that, but that's not necessarily the focus of this one. So <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll deter back here um, as we're wrapping up, but, um, Zach, first of all, just wanted to, again, thank you and, uh, you know, again, acknowledge you for uh, coming on here, taking the time, sharing your knowledge um, and just having fun with it. You know, really, really appreciate you making the time and doing that and just making this a really, really great and insightful experience for for myself as well as the listeners here. So first and foremost, want to again, thank you for that. Um, but lastly, you know, wanted to see one, if you could throw out some socials um let us know where we should follow you and your journey get in touch um if we uh potentially anyone wants to hire you for some work and uh also you know is there anything we didn't touch on that you would like to yeah sure so so social so first zachmessler.com it's z-a-c-h-m-e-s-s-l-e-r zachmessler.com um on linkedin it's just search zach messler um, I can send you links too, Kyle. Awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah. We'll Zach throw Messler, them in. Um, at Z Messler on Twitter. And I'm on Facebook too, but I, I got to tell you, I'm not really on it too often. I don't remember what the, that handle is. So hey, it's we'll not get Facebook for now. <laughs> it's not your platform to be. That's quite all right. Um, awesome, yeah. man. So, uh, Zach, a last question here. It's a hypothetical I like to pose. So I'm going to pretend that our episode just disappeared or our listeners, they, they just, you know, their heads were, their minds were adrift. They were daydreaming. So unfortunately they forgot everything we talked about, but you get to leave them with one message. What, what is the message you want to leave them with? <laughs> Be audience focused in your messaging. When you're audience focused, 
your content stands out, your message stands out, and you attract more buyers. Love it. Awesome. Thank you so much for making the time, Zach. Um, really appreciate it. I am, I'm giving you permission. I hope, I hope you, uh, grab a nice glass and enjoy a whiskey tonight. You deserve it. Um, some great insight here. Really appreciate it, man. Thank you all for tuning in. This has been another incredible episode of podcast more life. I'm Kyle Loftus and we're signing out. Yay,